and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join today. Heroes work here. At the height of the pandemic, that's a phrase you might recall seeing in many places. For a lot of people, it provided recognition to the medical professionals, the doctors, the nurses, and other staff who were risking their personal health and safety during times of real danger and uncertainty to make sure that the rest of us could enjoy relative health and safety. Historically, heroes are celebrated in our society. It's a badge of honor that many of us seek from a young age. And that's why it may be puzzling to learn that in Michigan, we seem to have a shortage of heroes, or in this specific case, nurse heroes in our state. For a lot of us who have experience with the medical profession, while doctors and surgeons may get most of the glory, we know it's the nurses and medical assistants that we spend most of our time with. That's why it's all the more concerning that 39% of nurses, according to a University of Michigan survey, plan to leave the profession in the next year. That's almost 40%. Surveys like this highlight the staffing problem that many medical professionals will tell you exists in our state. But what's the source of that problem and how do we fix it? Now, in response, a bipartisan bill in the Michigan Senate would require hospitals to maintain a minimum level of staffing to make sure that patient safety and quality of care are upheld. Some nurses, though, argue that the fix is even simpler. They say nurses face increasing violence and abuse in the workplace and unnecessary restrictions to actually providing care. They believe that by improving safety measures, addressing the violence that they're experiencing, decreasing restrictions, and making it easier for out-of-state nurses to come and practice in Michigan, that we could alleviate a possible shortfall. But others raise some concerns about all that. They argue that allowing nurses with different training backgrounds or from other states to practice easily here in Michigan could potentially compromise patient safety. So where does all of this leave us as residents here in Michigan? Can nursing staff levels be improved to ensure patient safety and satisfaction? And how can Michigan strike a balance between maintaining high standards of care and making sure that there's access to qualified nurses, even if they come from other states? A little later in the program, we are going to talk with State Senator Ed McBroom about a proposed bill to mandate nurse staffing levels in the state. We'll also talk with Brian Peters of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association to understand the perspectives of medical facilities about all of these things. But we want to start today with Christopher Fries. He is an oncology nurse and professor of nursing at the University of Michigan School of Nursing. Christopher Fries, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. It's great to be with you. So I, I want to talk about this study that uh, found that 39% of nurses 
plan to leave their jobs in the next year. The study says they will leave their jobs. But let's talk about what that would do, given that we know there has been concern about a nursing shortage for a long time. Can you talk about what things look like now and how much worse they would be if we lost that many nurses? Sure. Well, I think the first thing to to share is that we have known that nurses have been concerned about their workplaces before the pandemic. And I think what um, our data show is that the pandemic helped highlight these concerns for the public, number one. And number two, nurses finally realized that they have choices. And um, nurses, in our experience and our studies, have expressed these concerns about unsafe conditions, both uh, staffing and violence and not being listened to in their workplace for a long time. What we're now starting to see is nurses are voting with their feet and they're choosing to leave their employer. And so we surveyed nurses in March of 2022. We asked them if they plan to leave their job in the next year and 39% said they would. But also more importantly, there's a group of about 30% of nurses who said they don't plan to leave their employer, but they plan to cut back on their hours. And so that means that we're going to have fewer nurses and less nursing care across our state. Um, And we can dive into some of the reasons that nurses told us about this. Yeah. Uh, What are some of those reasons that that Michigan nurses and especially younger nurses are saying that they plan to leave their jobs? Right. So what we also found is the overall rate was 39 percent. But when you look at the youngest group of nurses, those under 34 years, that's the group that should be in their career for a long time, right? And they're planning to leave at the fastest rates. So that tells me that they're walking into their workplace, they're seeing unsafe conditions and they're choosing another path. So that's very, very concerning. And that's the first time we've seen this uh, kind of finding. The number one reason nurses tell us they either plan to leave their job or the nurses who have already left that is a shared concern and that is adequate staffing. They don't believe that their employers are providing enough nurses to deliver nursing care. And it's not just in hospitals, it's in other areas as well. But 83% of currently practicing nurses say that is the most uh, common concern they have. A second is violence in the workplace. And a third is not being unsupported by their leadership, uh, not having their concerns acted upon. So, so- Let's talk a little about the violence that nurses are reporting that they're experiencing on their jobs. I I feel like this is the part of the problem that we as patients or just citizens don't don't see and maybe don't understand Uh, what is what is the, the, the situation that they're facing? Why is it happening? And and I guess how dangerous is it? Right. So so think about us going into work every day, most of us walking in. I don't think most of us expect to either be physically attacked, verbally attacked, bullied by their workplace uh, and their colleagues or, or sexual abuse. And what we found, again, this is about 10,000 nurses across the state of Michigan, across all settings. Uh, 43% said they had been emotionally abused in the last year, 22% physically abused, and 26% bullied, 10% sexual abuse. Mm. And that's in their work setting. And so how does that make you feel walking into work every day, knowing that 
it's a it's a roll of the dice as to whether you'll you'll be uh, in trouble. We we have seen this on the rise across the country. There's been a lot of concern about it. I think really the healthcare system is buckling. P patients are waiting a long time for for necessary care. Things are not moving smoothly. And remember, nurses are everywhere in the healthcare system. So oftentimes they're the ones who are trying to troubleshoot the problem, and patients and families and others are taking those frustrations and putting them directly on nurses. And we have not um, put into place the resources they need to be uh, zero tolerance. We're not gonna tolerate that kind of behavior um, and give nurses the tools they need to protect themselves and keep themselves safe in their workplace. Um, you, in a recent article, advocated for minimum staffing guidance to protect patient outcomes. And you cited some examples in California and Chile and in Queensland. I, I wonder if you can talk about what these regions have achieved in terms of improved nurse staffing and what outcomes that they're experiencing and whether that connects to this problem that you're talking about with with violence and bullying, the 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 really negative work environment that that so many nurses are are experiencing. Sure. So I think the key thing, a couple points here. One is I'm I'm coming personally. I'm coming reluctantly to the need for legislation here hmm. because candidly, the employers have known about this for over a decade. Nurses have been very clear on their concerns, and yet their concerns have gone basically unanswered for over a decade. And, and so the employers could do this work now. They could recognize the, the decades of evidence that hospitals and other healthcare settings have been chronically understaffed. That's bad for patients, it's bad for nurses. And they could set themselves on a plan, just like they build a new building, to actually move staffing in the right direction, invest the resources to staff up. And for some reason that I don't understand, they choose not to do that. They choose to invest in other things. And so now many states, including Michigan, are looking at legislation. The legislation in Michigan that's proposed is bipartisan in 2023 to put in basic minimum floors. And, and the analogy is the airplane. If you get on a 757, there's four flight attendants. And that's so there's somebody to protect every door. We have nothing like that in healthcare. So the evidence from California is very clear that after implementing the legislation that's very similar to what's been proposed in Michigan, nurses were more likely to stay in their jobs, nurses were more satisfied, patient outcomes were more or less the same. In some chronically understaffed hospitals, patient outcomes actually got better, tangibly better. The one critique um, that was mostly in interviews is that administrators of hospitals and other settings found it more difficult to manage because of this um, legislation. So um, there, there's been calls to make the legislation a little more flexible, give some of the smaller hospitals and rural hospitals more time. And we find similar effects and actually stronger effects in Australia and in Chile. Uh, so there's a very strong evidence base for this kind of legislation. I wish we didn't need it. Hmm. Um, I wish we could solve the problem at home, but there doesn't seem for some unexplainable reason for an appetite to do that. Yeah. Um, when, when you think of the, the, these kind of changes, I wonder also what you make of the idea of relaxing some of the standards that we uh, enforce 
to 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 make sure that people who are practicing nursing here in Michigan are meeting our standards. Uh, this idea of bringing in nurses from from other places in your mind is that part of what we need in a in a legislative fix at this point because the situation is so bad i i first you're right this is very very concerning we haven't seen data like this and i can tell you we're in the field now with another survey and things are not much better hmm. they're a little bit better but not enough to move the needle in the way that we're talking so we need we need urgent action quite frankly and I think this is part, the staffing discussion is one part of it, but it's not the, It's not alone. So there's a couple of different proposals. And one is that if you're a nurse, um, if you have a registered nursing license in another state in the US um, without any concerns, disciplinary concerns, that you could be part of the Michigan a registered nursing pool. This is called compact legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is done in 39 other states across the country. Um, so these are people who have passed the, the RN exam uh, and, and have their, their documents are on file. That would probably provide some additional flexibility. Um, we'll, we're looking at this right now. Uh, we want to make sure that we do this in a safe way. There's probably some other things we can do to make it easier for people to A, get into nursing, and particularly those who are already in healthcare settings who are already working in healthcare to move toward a nursing degree so that we could get people through this through school faster. And then there's another piece of what we call the pipeline. We need to kind of build up a few more people who are going into nursing. And so that would mean um, supporting faculty. So we have enough teachers to teach nurses. Right now we have to turn away a lot of qualified students. So there, there's a lot we can do um, we want to do this in a way that's safe, that protects patients and, and families and also nurses. Um, but we, pr- but remember, the biggest issue right now is recruiting nurses we have. Hmm. Far too many practicing nurses are leaving the bedside for preventable reasons. And, and we can work on that tomorrow while we also think about ways to bring more nurses into Michigan and make it attractive. Yeah. Um, uh, so you, you surveyed nurses last year. Uh, you said you're back in the field this year surveying nurses and that things are not much better. Before I let you go, I would love to have you give us an assessment of how bad it is right now. How many of the nurses who said last year they would probably leave within a year have actually left. Uh, what what are nurses saying now? Is that number worse? And what are we seeing in terms of care? If if I show up at a hospital this afternoon, are we to the point where I would notice a difference in the level of care because there aren't enough enough nurses? So I think the short story is. We can't be surprised that the the outcomes that we saw in 2022 are pretty similar to what we're seeing right now in the preliminary analysis. We'll have more this summer. Things look fairly similar, if in some cases a little bit better. We're seeing fewer nurses leave for travel nursing um, in our current work, mm-hmm. um, but but a lot of nurses are still planning to leave. Their number one concern is staffing, and we can't be surprised because absolutely nothing has been done in that space. Zero by the employers, by legislature, by the federal government. So, the you know, keep beating your head, right? I mean, we haven't solved the problem. So that's number one. Um, and so we can't be surprised that, that things remain concerning. The second point is our patients and families seeing this. And I think we're starting to see that. When I talk with nurses across the state, 
they're they of course have shared with us that um the that they're concerned but now patients and families are coming up to them and asking how many patients do you have tonight um how many patients do you have did you have yesterday um and asking you know very specific questions and I think the, the public, I, I think we have wonderful nurses in Michigan. We have a great group, but we're at the we're at the fringe. And if we don't make changes soon that are evidence based, I think patients are going to see more concerns. And, you know, patients don't go to hospitals for gourmet food or luxury items. They come there for nursing care. So if we don't write the ship and we have a narrow window to write the ship, I am very concerned that we're going to see some of the some of the issues that we have seen in, in prior vacancies of nurses mm-hmm. across the country. OK, uh, Christopher Fries, professor of nursing and health management and policy at the University of Michigan School of Nursing it was really great to have you here to give us uh, an overall picture of the crisis, I guess, that uh, seems like it's brewing with uh, nursing here in our state. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit today. Thank you. When we come back, we are going to continue this conversation uh, all about nursing. We're going to take a look at a proposed bill to help with medical staffing, as well as the perspective of medical facilities. And, of course, we want to start taking your calls. Do you work in the medical industry? Have you seen changes uh, since the pandemic? Uh, Talk about uh, your experience uh, as a nurse or a doctor or a medical assistant. Also, if you're a patient and have noticed a different level of care because of shortages, give us a call and let us know what that has been like. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and you can be part of the program that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've decided to join us. We're talking about nursing and nursing shortages here in Michigan today. And as you've heard, there are a lot of people who are concerned about this issue throughout the state. There is a bipartisan attempt to deal with this currently pending in the Michigan State Legislature. But what would that bill do and what is preventing it from becoming a law? To help us understand this and more, we are now joined by State Senator Ed McBroom, who represents the 38th District, which covers most of the Upper Peninsula here in Michigan. Senator McBroom, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hey, great to be back with you again. Thanks for having me. So what does this bill do? It is uh, Senate Bill number 334. How would it help with the crisis with nursing staffing and uh, nursing shortages here in Michigan? Well, one of the main portions of this uh, bill and the overall project for the safe patient care is focused on making sure that there are um, mandates or requirements on a facility, a hospital, to have a certain amount of staffing there. And I think that, you know, most of us who've ever been in the hospital, either for ourselves or our loved ones, have seen how 
difficult it can be at times on a nurse, you know, even if you just need a drink of water or you're trying to get your loved one discharged, you know, nurses um, are slow to come to you. Well, it's because they're taking care of five, six, ten other people and your your situation isn't dire. You know, your drink of water or your discharge isn't the most pressing issue when they've got ten other people, some of whom need urgent, uh, immediate attention. And so we've all experienced it. That's what convinced me to get on board with this was just that real life practical experience. And, and it's like, how would I feel if I was in these situations and I'm trying to take care of 10 people, three of whom could die if I, I don't immediately respond to them all at once? Um, that's, it, it's just too much. And so ratios and working hours are things that we've set up in other industries that we felt have serious life and death impacts, such as airplane pilots mm -hmm. and truck drivers. And I think that it's a very appropriate thing to see us do in a hospital situation, particularly because hospitals are under tremendous pressures themselves and they have to make bottom lines. And, and one of the easiest things to do is to just say, well, we're going to have three fewer nurses on that floor this time around. We're, we can't afford to have those extras. Well, you can't afford them monetarily but the public can't afford them you know as a matter of life not and death have them there so so yeah. i that, that makes a lot of sense but it, it it may bump up against the reality that in some cases it's not about money that yeah. hospitals want to spend it's about the number of people who are actually available to do the work, uh, as we were saying in our yep. in our first segment, and talking about this survey of nurses here in the state, almost forty percent of them say they want to leave the profession in the next year. So, so how how would this bill, I guess, really address staffing levels uh, if the problem is not just money but is availability? Sure. Well, the trend the transition period to make it work is clearly an issue. But when you look at those surveys that say, well, we want to get out of this, we're tired of, of it, I'd emphasize the word tired, um, you know, and the hours, the, the responsibility levels that are pushed and pushed and pushed on them um, are incredible. And people burn out and say they're not going to do this anymore. So it's kind of that self-fulfilling feedback loop here that goes on. We don't have ratios, so therefore we have fewer nurses, so therefore we can't have ratios. Um, that's is, is just not a long-term logically viable argument. It, certainly in the short term, we need to look at how we put this together, how we transition to making it work. And we also have to respect the fact that this ratio can't, I don't believe, be something that we are so um, tied to that it's every single day, it's more of a long-term average type thing that goes on because there's going to be days where just too many people call in sick and that's not the hospital's fault if that happens or there's suddenly an influx of patients you know it's a holiday weekend there's people do foolish things and suddenly you have a lot more patients than you expected and so it's it's going to have to there's going to have to be some flexibility to how this works out but we still need an overall um, regulation on making sure that there is a good staffing ratio going on and that hospitals especially the for-profit ones aren't cutting corners here and cutting costs to the extent that create a dangerous situation for the public and create a burnout situation for the nurses. Hmm. Uh, I also wonder what you make of 
uh, your area of the state and the effect that this might have. Uh, the UP is uh, less densely populated than than other uh, parts of, of Michigan, and mm-hmm. there are some concerns mm-hmm. that this bill would disproportionately harm hospitals in those kinds of areas by increasing costs. Uh, how do you answer that? Well, I think that we already very familiar with increasing costs, and, and but ultimately people want care. People want to know that when they go, there's going to be people there. And when they need the assistance and when they um, when they get it, it's not going to be somebody who's just been pulling three twelves in a row, um, you know, and when there wasn't an emergency going on, why, why were those hours required of them? And so, you know, it's not that this industry doesn't have some flexibility and, and that we don't recognize that, hey, emergencies happen and there's going to be all hands on deck. That happens in my world as a farmer. It happens in a hospital. But what is the regular course of action on a daily basis, and how is that being handled? And then we need assistance in getting more nurses available. So first we want to create an environment where fewer of them want to quit, fewer of them want to leave the profession, but we also need to work hard on getting more in the field. Uh, We've had a lot of degree creep over the years that's pushed us towards the... um, the bachelor's degrees rather than using the registered nurses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we've seen a number of our institutions that are training nurses really be very hard about not expanding their programs. And um, I think in an effort to leverage more dollars from the state oftentimes, um, where they make lots of commitments about expanding their programs, but they never get around to doing it. Yeah. So before I have to let you go, Senator, I want to talk about the prospects for this bill and uh, the timeline for its mm-hmm. its consideration in the legis- in the legislature. What, what what are we looking at there? Well, I mean, I've been part of the package now for multiple terms, uh, <laughs> um, working with different colleagues. Um, I think that the chances of it getting through are stronger now than ever as far as the political makeup goes. But the realities in the field, some of which you're referring to, of actually implementing it have become much more complicated due to COVID and what kind of the train wreck that that's left a lot of our medical establishment in, in the aftermath. And so I think that the, the name of the game is creating this transition um, it's creating the flexibility and, and listening to the hospitals to understand how do we implement this while also being focused tightly on how do we make an environment where nurses want to stay and where patients are receiving the best possible care they can. So there's a lot of complexity to this. So I would say it's it's going to take us, you know, a real diligent sit down and work on this for several months into next year before it's finalized in a, in a form that I think can get the bipartisan support I hope it can get. The, the, the idea that this is a crisis, though, the idea that we are yeah. starting to see the effects of this in, in hospitals, boy, next year, that's a long time to wait. Well, I'm not saying that there aren't portions of it that can't come sooner. I think, you know, the the mandatory overtime portion of the, of the Safe, Patient, Safe Patient Care Act is one of the first dominoes that we should push over Mm -hmm. and then work on the ratios and like I said build in some transition period but we've got to start doing something because we're not retaining nurses there's a lot of other career opportunities for them that are uh, less onerous give them more flexibility with their family and their time that they're just opting to take and 
we've got to um, help our universities and our community colleges be able to get more people into these professions and want to stay there. Yeah. And that means making it attractive. Okay, State Senator Ed McBroom, really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today to talk about this issue. Thanks so much for joining. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Okay, uh, so we've heard from nurses about their concerns and potential solutions offered by lawmakers. But at the end of the day, it's hospitals and medical facilities that will ultimately provide us the medical care that we are all concerned about. To help understand that perspective of the staffing issues here in Michigan, I'm now joined by Brian Peters. He is a chief executive officer for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Brian, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about what's going on. Do you agree that we have a nursing staffing uh, shortage in hospitals? And if so, what do you think is causing it? Well, there's no question we have a nursing staff shortage. And there's no question that our nurses are heroes and that they deserve to have a, a positive working environment, a safe working environment where they're put in the best position to succeed which means providing safe care uh, for patients and families. I, I think there's a universal agreement on all of those things where we tend to, uh, to disagree uh, with those proponents of these nurse staffing ratio uh, bills, uh, both today and certainly in the past, this is not a new concept, uh, is that uh, the solution being proposed is quite frankly unworkable. And as I get out in the field and I visit with our member hospitals throughout the entire state of Michigan, both urban and rural, uh, and we survey our membership, in other words, we, we have actual hard data and we have the anecdotal information that comes from all of these visits with our CEOs throughout the state. We now have over 27,000 open positions in our Michigan hospitals. Mm. About 8,500 of those open positions are for nurses. In other words, Yes, there is a shortage. It's everywhere in the state, and we are trying desperately to hire more nurses. So I think these bills presuppose that hospital leaders are sitting around calculating that, you know what, if we just put fewer nurses on this floor and fewer nurses on this shift, we'll save money and be more efficient. Uh, that's certainly not happening. What our leaders are doing is scrambling and trying to look under every stone and, and turn every lever to get as many nurses as possible uh, into the hospital setting. And I think uh, the experience of the pandemic shows uh, very clearly that our hospitals are willing to pay at very high levels. They were doing so with nurse travel agencies, paying exorbitant rates to bring in nurses to fill these needs. That proves our willingness to do what it takes to bring nurses in. But as you pointed out in your prior segment, uh, these nurses just don't exist. They, they, they're not coming into the field uh, rapidly enough. We need to work with higher education to train more nurses. We need the multi-state nurse licensure compact so that nurses from other states can come here. And we need immigration reform as well so that we can bring qualified nurses uh, here to the country. There are a number of levers we can pull in the public policy arena. Nurse staffing ratio mandates are just not the right lever to pull in our view. Hmm. Uh, I wonder what you make of the criticism, I guess, that some legislators, 
might level against hospitals and say that this is a matter of money and not wanting to spend the money to make sure that we have adequate staffing levels. Of course, look, uh, for-profit hospitals exist to make to make money, uh, you know, along with providing care. Isn't it a reasonable assumption to 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 think that that this is about profit getting in the way of of that care imperative? Well, we certainly talk every day about the importance of the financial viability of our hospitals throughout the state for all kinds of reasons. We want our hospitals to be there uh, to deliver babies. We want them to be there. Uh, in the middle of the night when there's an automobile accident to provide trauma care. We want them to be there for us 24 seven, 365 for everyone in the community, regardless of their socioeconomic status and their ability to pay. So financial viability is absolutely front and center right now, more than ever before in the wake of the pandemic. We have uh, incredible um, challenges uh, before us, But the reality, as I stated, our hospitals are in the business of providing high quality care and access to their communities. That's their mission. And it starts with staff. We understand we have to have qualified staff. We have to have enough of them to provide service to our communities. And that's where uh, we begin. And then we look at how we can actually do that in the most effective way. I think a one-size-fits-all approach that is mandated by the legislature really uh, takes away from the training, the skill, the experience of our chief nursing officers who understand the technology that their facility may or may not have, uh, the care team that they have available, not only nurses, but doctors and other clinicians, uh, the seasonality that that hospital may uh, may have, uh, the changes day to day. Uh, it is not a one-size-fits-all uh, situation that we're talking about here. Healthcare is incredibly complex, and we have to treat it as such. Hmm. We're talking with Brian Peters. He's the CEO for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Uh, we're talking about the nursing shortage that we face in our hospitals and other medical settings here in Michigan and what to do about those shortages. Should the legislature, for instance, mandate staffing levels at hospitals? We talked with State Senator Ed McBroom, who is part of an effort to get a bill passed that would do just that. But are there other things that we should be thinking about as well? How do we deal with the number of people who are in the nursing profession who say they don't want to do it anymore? They want to leave. Uh, what do we do about the number of people who may not even be thinking of joining the nursing profession because of the problems, the long hours, the safety concerns that have increased over the last few years that nurses have on the job? We want to hear from you as well during the conversation. Give us a call and let us know what your experience has been with this. Are you someone who's working as a nurse here in Michigan? Uh, give us a view from the front lines of all of this. What's it like on your job? What's changing about your job? Is it getting worse? Are you thinking about doing something else? If you're a patient, uh, give us a sense if you have sensed this difference in the level of care and staffing at hospitals. The number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can work you into the conversation that way. Let's start today with Paul in Detroit. Paul, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thanks, Stephen. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to sort of bring attention. To me, this is, it mirrors directly uh, the situation with educators that we have in the state. Um, I have friends who have talked to me recently about wanting to become a nurse or a medical professional and have just decided, you know, I, I'm not going to pursue that career path because I can see what's going on in the hospital system and in other parts of the medical system. And that just reminds me of exactly what happened to me. I used to be a teacher and I, I stopped uh, because it was just, I felt like it was just too much. Hmm. I was being too, asked too much. And, um, you know, myself, I'm a proponent of, of uh, you know, a, a different healthcare system altogether, but that's a different conversation. But it, I think it's important to consider that um, there's just being so much being asked of people who want to do public service, who want to care for others or want to educate or want to take, um, you know, do, do the medical care. And it's, it's really a lot. Mm. And to be undercompensated and overworked, um, despite any hospital systems, very best intentions, uh, there are, you know, there are not enough nurses for them to be able to hire for all the positions right now. But it, it's, you know, to me, it's really the same yeah. sort of the, bigger problem. Yeah, Paul, I'm really glad that you called and gave us that perspective and made the analogy to other professions, professions like teaching, uh, which are similarly uh, places where people are attracted because of the idea of service. As much as any of us has to make a living and, and, and make money, Lots of people choose what they do because they believe it, it, it helps other people and provides something that other folks need. Uh, Brian, I wonder what your reaction, though, is to what Paul is saying about what's happening with the people who choose to be nurses uh, in the hospitals that you represent. H- how can the profession, how can the industry attract more people who want to do that and support them in a way that, as Paul points out, is is not going to chase them away, uh, convince them that, that they have to go do something else. Well, he makes a, a very astute observation. And uh, a matter of fact, uh, the uh, Michigan Health and Hospital Association just last week launched a new campaign, a statewide campaign focused on our young people and bringing them up to speed on all of the opportunities that exist in hospitals in Michigan today, including nursing careers. Uh, and certainly we want them to think about those options as they develop their own career planning. Uh, so we put all of those resources on mihospitalcareers.com. It's uh, the web- website is now live. But uh, really one of the, the corollaries here, I have educators and clinicians in my own family. And one thing that's very similar, many of the teachers have said, you know what, I no longer want to work in this field because I'm fearful of being either verbally or physically abused in the classroom, that's what we're hearing from nurses as well. Uh, Certainly post-pandemic, this is a problem that's gotten worse. They don't deserve to have people yelling at them, punching them. All of these things are happening in hospitals around the state, unfortunately. And so we have been a proponent of legislation at both the state and federal level that would make it a more serious uh, offense for those who act in that way. In other words, we're really indicating to nurses, we want to have your back, just like the FAA and the airlines uh, have created a federal felony Mm -hmm. offense. If you commit an act of violence against a flight attendant, we don't have that same protection for nurses in the hospital setting in the United States. We think that's wrong. 
So that's one way we can create a safer environment that then makes this a more attractive field going forward. Okay, uh, Brian Peter, CEO for the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. Great to have you here for this conversation about nursing here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. We're going to come back with another perspective on all of the things that are happening to nurses and the nursing shortage. We're going to dive deeper into what violence against medical care workers looks like with registered nurse Jessica Lannon. We'll also continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. 313-577-1019 is the number. And you can go to Twitter and hashtag us and we can include you in the show. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDT. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've decided to join us. An issue that's come up during this discussion, discouraging nurses to remain in their profession, is violence. And to help us understand more about how this issue plays into nurse staffing in the state, we're now joined by Jessica Lannon, a registered nurse and board member with the Michigan Nurses Association. Jessica, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. So I want to talk specifically about violence. As I said to a previous guest, I think this is a dimension of the problem that we as patients uh, or just citizens don't really get to see or understand. You are a nurse. Uh, Give us a sense of what this looks and feels like uh, on, on the job day to day. So, I mean, this is something that has been going on for many, many years, and it has just consistently gotten worse. Um, Every day, we have somebody at my hospital assaulted, either verbally or physically. Um, I can give you an example of one time that I was, and um, I'm a labor and delivery nurse and was delivering a, a patient, helping deliver a patient, and a family member of the patient took a huge wrench out of their pocket and sat it right next to me and said, If anything goes wrong with this delivery, you'll be the one to pay the price. Oh, my goodness. So I had to sit through that delivery, you know, anticipating, you know, what might happen if something goes wrong. So, I mean, threats come in all shapes, you know, and sizes. But um, currently where I work, we have have nurses who have been out of work for two years due to serious brain injuries from, you know, injuries from patients. Um, There are assaults that take place on our ED nurses daily. Mm. And um, nurses have always um, just taken it and accepted it um, out of compassion for the patient, understanding that, you know, they're in a stressful situation as well. And they're starting to speak up because it's affecting their lives. It's, it's changing their career path. It's affecting their family. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, I know I heard Brian speak to it's getting worse post-COVID. Um, we've actually seen it get worse over the last decade, and it, it definitely correlates with having less staff on the floor. Mm. 
Uh, let's talk about that a little. Um, is it, it, it seems like it's maybe something that is self-fulfilling. In other words, part mm. of the problem with the safety and the environment that nurses are, are facing is about staffing. And because mm-hmm. you have these things happening and, and people being assaulted or threatened, you get more people who say, hey, I don't have to do this. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. And so there's lower staffing, which makes the environment worse and maybe less safe, which then leads to, to less staffing. Is that, is that a reasonable way to think about all of this? Um, I, I do think that that is a reasonable way to think of this. I think that short staffing leads to an increase in violence um, because patients are more frustrated that they're not able to get the care and the amount of time that they want, and that escalates the patient. Um, you have fewer bodies to deal with a violent event when you know when you're when you're short staffed. Not just nursing, but ancillary staff. I think that's important to point out as well. Um, and you know, it's it's a chicken and an egg. It, it you know it feeds each other. But I will say studies have shown that the, the number one reason nurses have left the bedside is due to chronic short staffing. And these decisions about short staffing were taking place well before COVID. They were decisions made based on finances, hospital finances. They chose not to replace positions. They knew that this shortage was coming. When I was in nursing school, they told me, you know, there is a baby boom bubble coming and you will have a huge shortage in nursing. We needed to be preparing for this for over a decade. And we, and haven't, and we haven't been. We haven't. Yeah. Yep. So, so I want to talk just a little about solutions. What mm-hmm. do we do to which end, I guess, do we do we deal with uh, to make sure that we keep more people in the nursing profession and that we have the staffing that we need in, in hospitals. Yeah. So, I mean, we feel strongly that, or I feel strongly, and I talk to nurses every day. I'm on the floor, see what they're doing, um, you know, experience it. And staffing is the number reason, number one reason that they cite as to why they're considering to leave the bedside. Um, you don't get into nursing for the money, clearly. Um, you know, you get into nursing as a public service Mm -hmm. and because you want to provide quality care to your patients. And when you're no longer put in a position to where you can provide quality care, you start to question your decisions. And that's why a lot of people have left the bedside. Um, Where I work, I have staffing ratios in a contract, but my hospital has chosen not to follow them. So in, in, in the name of money, you know, that has been said, budget cuts, reductions, layoffs, not replacing positions due to productivity, running an extremely lean staffing model, which is even lower than what we have contractually. Um, so having something in legislation that would help enforce that would help. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would definitely help, but would also give nurses the... Um, courage or, you know, they'd want to come back to the bedside. If they knew that there was a possibility of safe patient ratios being enforced, they would come back to the bedside. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, Let's go to Tom in Detroit. Tom, 
Uh, we've only got a couple minutes left, but wanted to get you into the conversation here. Yes, can you hear me okay? I sure can. Go ahead. Okay, great. Hey, I just want to say that, that nursing is a great profession. So I want to encourage people uh, to go into nursing as a former auto worker. Mm-hmm. I do something a little different. I'm a home care nurse. Mm-hmm. So I go into people's homes. And so there aren't as many issues, um, uh, staffing issues, for example. And then, and then finally, let me say, the future is hospital care at home. Hmm. Uh, so, so, Tom, I, that's a really interesting perspective. I mean, and you're right. Obviously, if you're going into people's homes, staffing doesn't play the same kind of role as it would in a hospital. But at the same time, there are some things that we have to go to the hospital for, uh, and 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 can't be done in a, in a home environment. Uh, Jessica, I, I wonder what your reaction is to the Tom's suggestion here. We've only got about a minute and a half left, though. Yeah, so I mean, they're definitely taking outpatient procedures and you know releasing them sooner and doing more therapy and and things like that that people had stayed overnight in the hospital before at home, but. There, there are definitely levels of care that have to take place at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, you're right. We need, to, we need to look at the big picture, and there will be more outpatient care than there has been before, but there is still definitely a need for in-hospital care. I also want to point out that, you know, we every year, when you look at the number of the state of Michigan nursing license issued, that's continued to grow. We have not seen a reduction in the production of nursing students. We have not seen a reduction in people willing to go into the field. What we're seeing is once they get to the bedside and they see how unsafe it is, they leave within the first one to two years. Mm-hmm. There are lots of studies out there that can be referenced that what we have is we have a problem keeping people in the profession and keeping people at the bedside. We don't have a shortage of eligible nurses. We have a shortage of nurses willing to work in unsafe conditions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was really great to have you here with us, Jessica Lannon, to talk about your perspective as a nurse and a board member of the Michigan Nurses Association. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we'll have more great programming here on Detroit Today. If you like our show and enjoy listening, remember you should be sharing it with your friends and your relatives, your neighbors, anyone who you think would enjoy it. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.